following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. We'll be looking this morning in Galatians chapter 1. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, and we'll begin by reading Galatians 1, verses 11 through 24. Galatians 1, 11 through 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said... He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. How do we know, or have you ever asked or wondered, um, had this thought, uh, how do I know that Christianity is true? No one asked for a raise of hands, but I know I've had those (laughs) thoughts and uh, wrestled with that doubt. Uh, All these religions in the world, all of them claim to be from God. Uh, how do we know we got it right with Christianity just because I was born in a Christian family and this is what I grew up? How do I know I've got it right? Um, and as I've talked with, uh, as I've talked with unbelievers, but even uh, Christians uh, who, who wrestle with that question, how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know it's reliable? How do we know this gospel message is trustworthy? And uh, there's a lot of different ways we could talk about proving it. Um, we all know that, that there's really no absolute proof in the sense of irrefutable evidence that everybody would accept that that were true. Everybody would be Christian, right? Um, and so there's a sense of which it always comes down to a matter of faith. Uh, but there are, there are proofs in the sense that there is evidence. There's things in Scripture we can look at to help us uh, have a solid conviction that our faith is based on, on truth that it's not just random uh, man-made invention, that it's not just uh, what some guy came up with a couple thousand years ago and, and, and claimed its truth, right? There's more to it than that. And Paul, in this argument, in his uh, beginning of the uh, letter to the Galatians, gives us some amazing and uh, really quite spectacular proofs, if you will, evidence, things that would support the reliability of this gospel that we believe and this message that we hold on to. Uh, but it's interesting because it's a, an evidence or a witness that's really never talked about. I've never heard it preached on. I've never, never heard anybody talk about this. 
until I was studying it. It was kind of unknown to me. Uh, maybe you've heard this, this, these before, but it was new to me. Uh, and I was kind of blown away by it because it's really powerful witness to the fact that uh, this message really is unique and distinctive and I believe highly reliable as not just man-made religion, but as something that came from God. So uh, let's look at it. And, and Paul is not writing this. I, I have to give this claimer, disclaimer. Paul is not writing this to convince us that his message is true. In fact, what he's doing here is he's building an argument uh, to basically refute those who, who are accusing him of having a gospel that didn't come, that, that's not original. That's not the, the true gospel that, that the apostles in Jerusalem were teaching and preaching. Uh, of course, these people accusing it were wrong on a couple levels. And one, they were wrong in that they didn't understand what the apostles in Jerusalem were preaching. Right? And they, they, as we talked last week, they were teaching that, yeah, sure, Jesus died for your sins and that's all well and good. But that's only step one. And that you can't really be saved unless you jump full, full, full feet into Judaism and you get circumcised and you follow the laws and rules of Judaism. And so Paul's kind of arguing against that and against those who would teach that. Um, but in the midst of his argument, uh, he lays out some, some uh, evidences, some witnesses that it will give us great confidence that this gospel is absolutely reliable and not something man-made or man-invented. And in fact, that's how he starts off. Uh, he says this is not a man-made religion. He claims it, he claims it uh, himself. <clears throat> he says in verse 11, For I would have you know, brothers that the gospel that was preached by me, okay, this gospel message I've been proclaiming to you Galatians way back when I visited you and, and up into this very day, this gospel is not man's gospel. It's not man-made. It's not something that came to me from people or from human beings. In fact, he elaborates more. He elaborates. He says, For I did not receive it from any man, uh, nor was I taught it. Now, I don't know if you've really and I never really had contemplated this, but uh, Paul is claiming here and he's saying that nothing about the gospel message, nothing about what he was proclaiming came to him from other human beings. Not from uh, Barnabas, who he met later, not from uh, the church there in Damascus, which he, where he was uh, living for a little while, not from, not from any human being, and certainly not from the apostles. And we'll see later that he never visited the apostles. He never had them teach or instruct him. He says, no, I got this directly from God. He says, it was not taught me, I didn't receive it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, this is huge, right? And this is important because, uh, as it so happens, Paul wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, close to half of it, Right? And we study and read his letters like Galatians and Philippians and Colossians and 1st and Timothy as scripture. And so where did he get this from? Uh, he did not walk with Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know any of the uh, disciples or, or the apostles. And he says, no, I got this all by myself. Okay, now, like if you're a, a good critic, skeptic, cynical, like this should be like, oh, buddy. Like, who is this guy? And, and he's not part of the group, right? I mean, this is how we do this. This is how we kind of vet and verify uh, if something is safe. It's like we ask people, what are you, right? 
Like, what label do you have? And we all need to have a label, Baptist or Charismatic or Pentecostal or something or other. And if, you're, if you can have the right label, it's like, okay, maybe you're safe. Maybe I can trust you. And Paul's saying here, man, I got no label. I got no label. I didn't come from a denomination. I didn't come from a group. I was like a solo deal. But does that make you nervous? Well, it should, right? It should make you nervous. Like, why do we believe all the stuff he wrote if he's like a one-man show who just is out there and he says, I just, uh, this is my thing. I didn't get it from anybody. I just came up with it on my own. But he doesn't say he came up with it on my own. He says, he says it was a revelation of God. Uh, and it's important to see that what was revealed. He said it was a revelation specifically of Jesus Christ. Uh, and if we go to Acts and look at the account in Acts, we know that Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the church and arrest believers there. And, and Jesus himself appeared to him, shining in radiant, resurrected, a Lord on high ascended glory. And uh, in the pictures, you know, it knocked Paul off his horse. It doesn't actually say that Paul was riding a horse, by the way, or a mule or a donkey. Uh, but it makes for a good story, right? Knocked him off his horse. And, and, and there's this blazing light and this voice that says... Saul, Saul, his, his, his other name, why are you persecuting me? And he says to him, Lord, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Right? So the encounter that Paul had was with not just uh, a revelation of information that God like sent an email or God in a dream gave him some doctrine or some theology. The revelation that he got was specifically Jesus Christ living, resurrected, in-person encounter with, with the resurrected Jesus. Um, and, and this visitation of Jesus uh, unraveled Paul's life in every possible way and set him on a very different path and a very different course. But it's important to understand the, the nature of this revelation. It wasn't just that, that Paul met some guy who he thought was dead and it turns out he's not as dead as he thought, Right? Uh, there are some very specific things that uh, Paul understood about this Jesus that were revealed to him in that moment, in that moment of Christ appearing. And, and they're important to understand um, the change in transformation and, and what, it, what Paul means when he says, this gospel that I preach came as a result of this revelation. So what, what did he understand when, when Jesus appeared to him? What, what did it mean to Paul? Well, it meant several things. First, uh, well, Jesus revealed meant to Paul that it was the Son of God. Uh, and in fact, he says that in verse 15. He says, But when he who had sent me, uh, set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his Son to me. His Son. He uses that term. And, and throughout all of Paul's writings, the term Son of God, or when he identifies Jesus as the Son, he, he specifically means that uh, Jesus the Incarnate One. That he came and lived in human flesh and blood, but that he came... Uh, from God, as God, that he was uh, uh, God himself, right? And so that was very important to Paul. And that word son, for him, captures that idea. He was God in human flesh. And so the, the revelation of Jesus that, he, uh, Jesus that he had was not that it was just some human being who somehow <clears throat> appeared as some ghostly apparition, but that this was the son of God that was appearing to him. God uh, who had come down in the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, uh, he sees and understands him as the crucified Messiah. And he said this revelation to me was of uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, a lot of times we use the term Jesus Christ so much that it becomes kind of a, a run-on thing. Jesus Christ, right? It's like his first name and his last name, like Tim Dunham, right? Not true, okay? Je- Jesus is his name. What is Christ? Christ is not a name, although it, it gradually got used as a name in the New Testament. But initially it was what? It was a title. Jesus Christ means what? Messiah, right? That's the Greek word for the designation of the anointed one, the Messiah, right? Uh, Jesus was, uh, as Paul came to understand him through that revelation, he was the Messiah, the promised one of Israel that had been predicted long ago. And, and in actually who, who, who Paul was looking for, Paul is a, is a Pharisee, we'll see in a minute, was looking for the Messiah. And, and Jesus appeared and he, he proclaims him. He appeared revealed as Jesus the Christ. Uh, but of course, Paul knew... Paul did know a little bit about Jesus, not a, a, a lot, but it was, it was general knowledge to everybody that Jesus had been this guy who claimed to be Messiah and who ultimately was crucified. So Jesus, uh, Paul, and we'll, we'll see in a minute why this is important, but uh, for now, just, let's just leave it there, that he understood Jesus as the crucified Messiah. Right? So he is the Son of God, crucified Messiah, and of course the risen Lord. He appeared to Paul as the resurrected one. Uh, not as a ghost or as an apparition, but as Jesus resurrected and ascended in all of his ascension glory, appearing to Paul face to face, speaking to him as one alive from the dead. And through this revelation, uh, we don't know if it happened in that moment or if it was during the next three days. We know Paul uh, lost his sight. And he went to Damascus and he sat in a room for three days and three nights. He didn't eat, didn't drink, and did a lot of thinking. Right? A lot of thinking. And as I said, this revelation, this encounter with Jesus was unraveling for him. And um, I could just picture Paul as a thinker. And, and, and man, his brain, his wheels were turning. Right? And he came to know, uh, when we know this through his preaching and teaching, we came to know that he recognized that salvation was through the blood of Christ alone, just like we just celebrated. We take communion to commemorate the blood of Jesus. And so Paul came to understand that Jesus gave him his life sacrificially as an atonement for sin for our redemption and our ransom. That salvation was through the blood of Christ alone. And he was the lamb who gave himself um, the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And so we are now justified, as I talked about for communion, we're justified, we're made right by God by faith in the finished work of Christ, not by our good deeds or by keeping the law. And that's what a lot of the book of Galatians is about, is he's arguing that salvation is by faith in Christ alone, that the, the, the law cannot contribute in any way to our salvation, keeping the law. Um, so it's, a very, it's important to see and to note that this is a very specific revelation of Jesus Christ. And however this all came to him in these few words and this appearance of Jesus, how it all unfolded in his thought, we don't know. How the Holy Spirit uh, opened his eyes to see, we don't know. But we knew that, you know that for Paul, for him it was, it was a revelation of God, of Jesus Christ to him directly. Right? Now, uh, that in itself... Uh, that doesn't really necessarily do a lot to convince us that the message is true. And, and throughout history, there have been lots of people who have claimed this kind of revelation. 
So Joseph Smith claimed that an angel appeared to him and gave him this vision, and he wrote it down as the Book of Mormon. Uh, the, the Lord Buddha claimed that he, after uh, not eating for a long, long time, was enlightened and, and gained understanding and wisdom about how it all worked. Uh, Muhammad claimed to have had uh, an angelic visitation who told him truth, right? And so all, all, all religions, essentially, uh, or most of them anyway, claim some kind of divine origin, that it wasn't man-made. I don't, I don't know of any, maybe you can tell me afterwards that there's one, but I don't know of any religions who, who, that are very big where they say, yeah, I made this up. <laughs> right? I just made this up. I just got this cool idea. I think it sounds, kind of got a ring to it, and I got a cool logo, and so, like, let's go with it, right? No, no, that doesn't work, because nobody would, people would be like, well, who are you, you know? Uh, we want some sense that it came from some higher power from God, and it's truth, and we can count on it, right? So why should we believe Paul over anybody else? Uh, why is his visitation, his revelation, any better than Joseph Smith or, or, or Buddha or whoever? Well, what's fascinating about this is that the um, Bible teaches very clearly, the story teaches very clearly that Paul preaches a gospel message that is absolutely at one and in perfect unity with the gospel of the apostles, but, but their message came from two very separate, isolated, and disconnected sources, right? Uh, and if you think about the implications of this, it's kind of staggering, right? Uh, and, and this gospel that Paul preached, we had basically two options of how it could have come about. One, he made it up, right? One, he just decided, this sounds cool. Some dude came and he died on a cross and rose again, and that's salvation. I, I like that. Let's go with that, right? Or it could have come to him by revelation. And of course, he claimed it came through revelation, that he did not invent it on his, his own, um, and he didn't make it up. Um, and, and when you look at, Jesus, at, at Paul's message, and he says, he makes a big deal out of it. He says, look, I didn't, uh, when, when I came to Christ, he says, um, I, I didn't go up to Jerusalem, I didn't consult with the apostles, I didn't interact with anybody, right? So he really did come up with this on his own. But the message, the gospel that he preaches is, is identical to the gospel of Peter and, and James and the apostles, right? Um, imagine, so this is, how, imagine, this is how it works. Suppose Joseph Smith uh, gets this revelation of an angel and he writes down the Book of Mormon. And at the exact same time in another country, hundreds of miles away, another guy gets the exact same revelation and writes down the exact same thing. I would, I, would, I would be much more interested in that message if that were true, right? Anybody can come up with a story on their own. But when two people come up with the exact same story in completely different places at completely different times who never talk to each other, that's significant, right? It's significant. Especially something as radical and kind of out there as the gospel is. It's out there. And so it's a, it is a convincing witness to its veracity, its truthfulness. Um, and, and the reality is that uh, both Paul and the apostles received this truth by revelation. It's true that the apostles walked with Jesus and they spent time with Jesus, but, uh, but even Jesus acknowledges that it, was, it, it took revelation from the Father for them to get it. So in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus answered Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, another name for Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed it. Okay? 
So when Peter came to the realization of who Jesus was, uh, Jesus said, yeah, this, this didn't come from flesh and blood. It didn't come from people. The only place this can come from is through revelation from God. Okay. So, so just side note, if you know who Jesus was, it's because God has revealed it to you. And he's revealed himself to you and made that truth come alive for you. Um, and, and Paul says the same thing. He was, God was pleased to reveal his son to me, he says in Galatians, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult with anyone. And it's interesting, Paul uses the same phrase there. I, literally, anyone is, translate, is, is flesh and blood. I didn't consult, I didn't counsel with any flesh and blood. Right? And so here's these guys preaching these same, the same message. Um, Real quick, from Acts 2, when, Paul, when Peter preaches at Pentecost, what was the gospel that Peter proclaimed? Uh, I won't read the whole sermon, but he summarizes it here in verse 23 and 24. He said, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. Okay, so there's the crucified one. And killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up. There's resurrection. Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible, possible for him to be held by it. Then in verse 36, Peter says, Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both what? Lord and Christ. Right? Exact same things that, that, that Paul understood. Uh, Son of God. Uh, crucified Messiah. Christ, crucified Christ, Messiah, uh, risen Lord, right? This Jesus whom you crucified, Peter says. See, they preach the same exact message, but they never met each other, right? They never talked to each other until much later, right? Uh, that's a convincing proof. But if you're, if you're a real good critic, okay, so if you're a critic and you're really good at finding loopholes and things, uh, you could say this, well... You could, you know, they're both Jews. And of course, you know, they have the same background, they have the same uh, worldview, they have the same understanding of God, and they both read the same Old Testament. It's really not that remarkable that uh, they would both come up with the same salvation, the same gospel. I mean, really, they're, they're, it was inevitable, right? Because they're both from the same exact place. Uh, even though they had no interaction with each other, they come from the same worldview. Well, that would be all well and good, except uh, Paul, by his own admission, and from historical records, would tell us that he was the exact polar opposite of, in every possible way of the apostles. Right? Uh, in fact, Paul talks about his passion that was pointed completely in the wrong direction. Everything about Paul's life was oriented away from Christ and away from the gospel. Um, so he puts it this way. He says, um, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. You know, whatever his worldview was, it was not one in common with the apostles at any level, right? Um, he said, uh, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Okay. Paul was not in any way on the same page in his thinking with the other apostles. Um, 
some of the differences. For one, Paul was a religious fanatic. He was a way off the charts Pharisee. Gone to seminary, the school of Gamaliel. He was a religious expert. He was extremely well studied in the law and in philosophy and in many other subjects. Subjects. He was an educated man, and he was a religious uh, out there fanatic. So he says, I, I, was, I was beating everybody in my class. And he's that like overachiever, annoying guy who like, gets all straight A's and everybody wants to just kick. That was Paul. Okay? And not only in, in class, but out of class. He was off the charts zealous, persecuting the church, trying to destroy it. Uh, the, the apostles, on the other hand, were fishermen, not religious professionals. In fact, maybe not even all that religious. They were just lay people, untrained, right? So there's nothing similar about their backgrounds or, or lifestyle. Uh, and here's Paul persecuting the church um, with, with, with violence, all out, extreme uh, hatred for the church. Um, and, and what's important for us to see is, uh, is you know, he, he's zealous for the traditions of the Pharisees. He is serious about the Old Testament as he understands it. Uh, but what's really most important is to understand why he was persecuting the church. Why was it Paul was so fired up about these Christians? Well, often it's thought, and it's true, that of course Christians uh, were undermining the law. And uh, Paul now, as a, as a gospel proponent himself, is, is teaching that you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow the law. Uh, but but it's, it's doubtful that actually Paul, in his days as persecutor, understood that. It's doubtful that he really understood Christianity that deeply, that, that their undoing the law was, was, was the main thing that fired him up. So what was the main thing that fired him up? What was it about Christianity that he so despised that he would pour his life into killing off and arresting and trying to end Christianity? Well, I think it was this. Um, it was the very gospel itself. This very notion of a crucified Messiah. You see, in, in, in the Old Testament and in Jewish thinking, uh, the Messiah was one supremely blessed of God. One who would come and usher in a new reign of peace and a new kingdom on the throne of David. And it would be one who, who would have the hand of God upon him. Uh, the Old Testament also says that anybody who is hanged on a tree is what? Cursed. Anybody who is hanged on a tree is cursed. And, and Paul knew enough about Jesus to know that he claimed to be a Messiah, one of these messiahs that came up. And, and when, when Jesus was tried by the Jewish court and found guilty, and then even more by the Roman court, but ultimately by the very court of God, and God did not rescue him and deliver him, God turned Jesus over to die on the cross. That was for Paul absolute convincing proof that this could not be the Messiah. And therefore the whole thing was a great deception and a lie. Right? This could not be a Messiah because he died a horrible death on a cross as a criminal. That could not happen to the Messiah. Therefore, everything that Jesus claimed was blasphemy. And those who worshipped him were likewise blasphemers against the high and holy God. So, so you see, Paul was ultimately uh, a hater of the church because he was a hater of the gospel. Right? Do you get, do you get the significance of this? Okay, here's a guy who's now preaching what? The cross. The gospel that's centered in the cross of, of, of the very Jesus that before he hated 
right? Um, so Paul shares all this to say, you know, I despised the cross. I was against it. Everything about the cross was proof that Christianity was a fraud and a lie, and Jesus was a blasphemer. Right? There was nothing in him that would make coming up with this message make sense. Right? There's nothing about his life as a Pharisee, as a, as a zealous Jew, that could explain where he got this message from, unless it was a revelation of God. And even that revelation, I mean, it had to be like, like nuclear warheads going through the steel in his heart and mind and soul to penetrate his resistance to this very message. And yet that's what Paul does. He's changed. He meets this Jesus and he realizes that this Jesus he's been persecuting is real. He is the crucified Messiah. As Jesus is Messiah, crucified, risen again, all that would have been impossible to him. And that's the very gospel he preached. Third thing, last thing, um, is how radically Paul's life was changed by this encounter with Jesus. Uh, Of course, his theology was totally rocked, uh, as I just explained. Um, But that's not all. It changed uh, Paul in several ways. And and this this, uh, change was not only something he saw in himself. It was something that was so radical that everybody knew it and saw it. And so he says, uh, he talks about some of the places he had been. Uh, His point is that he had spent really no time in the first many years of his ministry, uh, many years, he spent really no time in Judea. And so he wasn't like a famous guy uh, to the Judean churches around Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians. They really didn't know who he was. Except this. He says the only, all they heard was this rumor. They were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. He says, somebody really knew him personally in Judea. He had spent so little time there. But the rumor, the word was going around all over. This guy that once persecuted the church is now preaching the gospel. And they praise God because of it. Um, so so how, how did things change? What, what, what about Paul changed so drastically? Uh, first of all, it changed how he saw himself. Uh, before, as he said, he said, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was winning the race. I was, uh, I was the, the best student. I was the best Pharisee. I was the most zealous. I was the most righteous and the most deserving of God's blessing and favor. But after he met Jesus, uh, how did Paul see himself? He described himself uh, later as the chief among sinners. Uh, all of a sudden his own righteousness his own good deeds his own good work and effort uh, were worthless and he said I am am the chief of sinners Uh, that's a change Uh, and as such he he, he saw that uh, salvation was by grace he he says in verse 15 um, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. That's significant. He said, God set me apart for, for this saving work of preaching Christ to the Gentiles before I was even born. And not only that, but actual, actually grace, he called me to grace even before I was born. In other words, before I had ever done anything, 
before I had ever done a single good deed or bad thing to make me more deserving or less deserving, God called me in grace. And so it's not about anything that Paul recognizes. It was nothing that he had done in himself. It was purely God's undeserved gift of grace that God called him into this ministry and revealed to him who Jesus was. Um, second thing, he, it changed how he understood the Bible. Uh, Paul was a, a serious Old Testament scholar. He knew the Old Testament inside out and backwards. But before meeting Jesus, he clearly misunderstood most of it. Um, and it's very interesting, uh, his revelation of Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't say much. Right? And, and we don't, nowhere does Paul talk about, well, you know, back in the room for three days, Jesus sat down with me and went through the Old Testament, and we kind of went through the whole thing so I would understand better. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Paul got one quick glimpse of Jesus. But out of that, he built this amazing theology. And when we read through uh, all of his writings, we have the most uh, really comprehensive theology of the gospel uh, of anybody. Right? Without Paul's writings, we would be uh, we would not understand Jesus like we do. Where did it all come from? Did it come because God spoke these things to him? Well, no, actually, when you look at his writings, most of it came from the Old Testament. Right? He quotes over and over and over again. He quotes the Old Testament. But now, because of who Jesus was, it changed the way he saw everything in the Old Testament. No longer was the Old Testament about God, about a, a way to make ourselves right with God through our good deeds. Now, for Paul, it was all about who Jesus is. Right? Who Jesus is. That all of the law and all the prophets and everything pointed to explaining the work and life of Jesus and his gospel. So, so, so Paul's theology goes from despising the cross based on his understanding of the Old Testament to proclaiming the cross as the very center of his message. In fact, he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that was the center of his message. It was because uh, when he met Jesus, it changed how he understood the Bible. Next, it, understood, it changed how we understood salvation. And that kind of goes with it. It is all by grace. It is all because of the work of Jesus by his blood. And so he preached a salvation that was by faith in Christ alone. Right? Salvation is in no other. Uh, and, and all of his good works, all of his keeping the law was useless. In fact, Paul tells Timothy the only purpose of the law is to show us how, how sinful we are not to save us. Um, and so it changed his understanding of, of salvation. And finally, uh, it, it changed how he understood his mission. Uh, he says, uh, um, I did not immediately go to, to consult with anybody in Jerusalem, um, but instead uh, uh, I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And he says in verse 21, Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, why did he do that? Well, because of God's purpose, he, he spells out in verses 15 and 16. When God, who had set me apart and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Uh, Paul, as a Pharisee, would have... Um, the only thing he probably despised more than the cross was Gentiles. Right? 
put that together, Gentiles who, who believe in Jesus as the Messiah, that would have been like, like you know, the, the ultimate like crazy-making thing for Paul. Kind of like, you know, for him, like a Seder dinner ham or something. It would have been like, no! Right? Oh, somebody can explain. Somebody didn't get that one. Seder dinner ham, it's pork. Never mind. Uh, this was this was this was the worst for Paul, right? And yet, uh, if if salvation is by Christ alone, not by keeping the law, then guess what? Anybody who has faith in Christ can have what? They can have salvation, right? He saw that God was opening up salvation not just for the Jews but for anyone who would have faith. And so when Paul gets this revelation, the first thing he does, he goes to Arabia. Why? Well, oftentimes it's told he goes there to reflect and meditate and kind of do a monk thing for a while. No. Right? He went there to preach the gospel, to fulfill the purpose that God had called him to. Right? Uh, we see in Acts, he preaches in Damascus. He preaches in Syria and Cilicia. He's a guy on fire now for the gospel. So here's this guy who uh, was trying to protect Judaism from the gospel and from Gentiles. Now, proclaiming the gospel to Gentiles and to Jews. Um, There's no explanation for that apart from God's miraculous intervention in his life and his revelation. And the good news is um, that's what the revelation of Jesus does. Uh, Now, most of us will will not get a revelation like Paul did. I remember when I was an eighth grader, and I was trying to wrestle with faith and wanting to believe God, and I wanted to believe the Bible. And I told God, and I remember praying. I mean, this was like one of the most earnest prayers I'd ever had to that point in my life. I was serious. And it was late at night, and I was just agonizing with if it's true. And I said, look, God, I don't need much, but if you could just give me like a three-second vision, if you just like show up in my room, I see your face for like three seconds, I'm in. I'll be convinced, Right? And, and I waited. And I really believed that God was going to do this for me. And I waited. I waited in the dark, waiting. And nothing happened. It's like, wow. Uh, but actually, something did happen, right? God did answer that prayer, and he did begin revealing himself to me. But most of us don't get it in a vision like Paul did. But, but we get it through the proclamation of his message, right? And we can, we can trust that message, because of these, these, these incredible witnesses, right? Here's this guy who got it completely separate from the other apostles, and yet it's the same message. Here's this guy who, who came up with this gospel that was the absolute, in every way, opposite of everything he thought or believed up to that point. And yet he became its greatest proponent in that day. And, and we see this guy whose life was radically changed by this encounter with Jesus. So, so we get the message preached to us. What Paul did, Paul said, it never was preached to me. We get it mostly because it's preached to us. But like, like the other apostles, like Peter, if we get it, it's because Jesus has revealed it to us. Right? Because he's turned on the light bulb of our brain and our heart and our, our spiritual eyes to understand this is truth. Right? But we can be confident in this message. Right? We can be confident that it is not like any other religion that is man-made. This is from God. And and meeting him does change everything. Knowing the resurrected living Jesus, seeing him, encountering him is everything. 
And, and, and I want to leave with this last application, this last thought. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. That's not going to be like I was hoping for this flash in the dark where I'm going to get to see Jesus for 10 seconds face to face. It's not going to be like that. Right? He does it through his word. He does it through his spirit. He does it in our, in our, our deep innermost being. But he longs to reveal himself to you to convince you how real he is and how much he loves you. Right? John told his disciples in John 14, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, by the way, this is not the Old Testament commandments, but the commandments of Jesus were the teachings about the gospel, uh, that, that you would do the gospel, that you would believe in and follow the gospel, Okay, everything that Paul later teaches. So whoever has my commandments, this gospel truth and keeps it, he it is who loves me. And so for those of us who have received and come to terms with this gospel, uh, it brings us into a love relationship with Christ. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Okay, and here's the great promise. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. The word manifest means revealed. Right? I will reveal myself to him. Daily, Jesus wants to reveal himself to us. And it changes everything. Right? Um, now for us, the change may not be as radical because we may have a little different starting point than Paul. But it will turn our life upside down as we meet and know and encounter uh, the resurrected Jesus, the crucified Messiah, the Son of God, risen Lord, who saves us by his blood. Let's pray. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.